and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of the Crown on the application of O and Secretary of State for the Home Department. The citation for this case is 2022 UKSC 3. And this case examines whether a policy set by the Home Office is unlawful. O is the pseudonym given to the first claimant in this case because she is still a child. O was born in the UK in 2007 and has never been abroad, but is actually a Nigerian citizen. Nevertheless, from the date of her 10th birthday, she had officially satisfied the criteria for becoming a British citizen under Section 1, Subsection 4 of the British Nationality Act 1981. She applied to the Home Office, but was not able to afford the fee associated with the application, which was £973 at the time. Of course, because the amount was not paid, the application was not processed. In response, O brought a judicial review against the Home Office alongside the Project for Registration of Children as British Citizens, an organisation that seeks to raise awareness about the right of children to apply for British citizenship. Their argument was that the subordinate legislation was ultra-vires, or outside of the power of the Home Office, because that £973 fee was extortionate and unaffordable in a lot of cases. Ultimately, this case made its way to the Supreme Court, and that is where we pick things up. The starting point here is to say that it generally is not disputed between the parties that many children and families cannot afford the application fee to become British citizens, and that the significant fee involved is above and beyond the cost of administering the application, such that it produces an annual surplus that subsidises other parts of the Home Office. However, there is a difference between saying that the fee is excessive and that it is unlawful. After all, the Immigration Act 2014 empowers the Secretary of State to set the fees in subordinate legislation, having regard to factors listed in Section 68, Subsection 9. Those factors relevantly include the cost of processing the application, the benefits for the applicant of obtaining British citizenship, and the cost to the Home Office of exercising other functions in relation to nationality and citizenship. For Lord Hodge, in his lead judgment, this was a question of statutory interpretation, and whether Parliament had authorised in the primary legislation the imposition of a fee via the secondary legislation. Statutory interpretation means looking at the words in context, but there are two levels of context to consider. At the top level is the context of the words within the statute itself, and below that is the context provided by external aids such as the explanatory notes, law commission reports and white papers from the government. Thus while the external aids can be helpful, they do not displace the actual words within the legislation. There are also special rules of statutory construction that apply when dealing with important claims that engage fundamental common law rights or human rights under the European Convention, but these do not come up in this case, so there is no need to go beyond the normal rules of interpretation. Another argument put forward by O in this case derives from the 1997 case of the Crown and the Secretary of State for Social Security, ex parte Joint Council for the Welfare of Immigrants. In that decision, it was held that there are certain statutory rights that cannot be undermined by secondary legislation that is passed under a different Act of Parliament. However, Lord Hodge noted in his leading judgment in this case 
that an earlier statute can be effectively amended or even repealed by a later statute, and that includes via secondary legislation that is passed under that later act. The role of the court in this situation is to examine the scope of the enabling power in the later statute to ensure that the minister is authorised to pass secondary legislation that makes changes to the earlier statute. So long as it does so, then the rule in the Joint Council case imposes no additional hurdles for the Secretary of State to clear. Ultimately, in these proceedings, the 2014 Act allows the Home Secretary to set the relevant application fees, and the question of how appropriate those fees are is a question of policy and not one of law. From my own perspective, you might be surprised to learn that as a question of policy, I think charging nearly £1,000 for children to apply for British citizenship is morally wrong when a lot of those families will struggle to pay that amount. Since the decision in this case, the fee is now over £1,000 and the government makes a £640 profit on each application, but it is such an obscure bit of bureaucracy that it doesn't get anywhere near the attention that it deserves. In response to the case, the child O, who is now 14 years old, said that she felt very let down and alone. That is not surprising. Becoming a British citizen should be something that a person is proud of and able to celebrate, but charging excessive fees is alienating and serves to make people feel like they are not welcome in the country, which many consider to be their home. O has only ever lived in the UK. Imagine how she now feels as she struggles to become a citizen because the Home Office wants to put a 72% markup on her application fee. I can understand the Home Office wanting to cover the costs of the application, and even in some circumstances charging a small markup to make up for losses elsewhere, but going after children, including those in the care system, seems very low, even for Pretty Patel. The judgement itself is also problematic because Lord Hodge seems to wash his hands of the matter by holding that this is a question of policy, rather than properly engaging with the legal issues. One of the other factors that the Home Secretary is required to consider when setting the fee is any international agreement. Amnesty International intervened in this case to say that one such agreement is the 1961 UN Convention on the Reduction of Statelessness, and imposing an excessive fee frustrates the purpose of this convention. Lord Hodge dismisses this almost out of hand by leaning on the dualist nature of the UK's constitution that means Acts of Parliament take precedence. But this ignores the fact that the convention was incorporated into UK primary legislation and, as we just mentioned, the secondary legislation requires the Home Secretary to consider international agreements. Once again we see the Supreme Court taking the easy way out instead of standing up for core principles enshrined in law that seek to protect the most vulnerable members of society. This is all very doom and gloom, but there is one possible ray of hope, as there have been attempts to amend the Nationality and Borders Bill as it makes its way through Parliament. Proposals from the House of Lords would reduce the fee to £372, so that it covers the administrative costs, and the fee would be scrapped for children in care. Whether this survives through to royal assent is a different question, but even if it does not, the bill and cases like this one are hopefully at long last shining a light on a shameful part of the nationality system. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. 
Before we go, I would just like to mention that we are still looking for reviews of the podcast on iTunes or Spotify now does reviews as well if you listen on that platform. In particular on iTunes at the moment, we are at 249 reviews of the podcast. So if you want to be number 250 and get your name read out on the podcast, then leave a rating, leave a review, and I'll be sure to read your name out. Okay, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!